0: Do you know how many types of people there are in the world? It's two. Two types of people. Those who um, just squeeze the toothpaste tube and those who roll it from the end. You know that? It's Scientifically proven, only two types of people. That's it, right there. You married the type of person that you're not like, didn't you? Yeah, that's how it goes. The first question we ask in premarital counseling is the suitability question. Are you a squeezer or a roller? And if you say the same thing, we say we won't do your marriage. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Now, it's scientifically proven that there, there are really only two types of people in the world. Those who always have their cell phone charged and those who are always looking for a charger. Do you know that type of person? Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm just obviously kidding. But My phone's at 89% right now, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to charge it later. Uh, there's two types of people in the world those with loaded guns, and those who dig. You dig. No? Clint Eastwood? The good, the bad, the ugly? Are you kidding me? The millennial dude pulls out the 60s, 70s reference? It's free on Netflix, you guys. My goodness. All right, well, I thought I knew you guys, but I guess I don't. I hate to burst Clint's bubble, but there's there's more. We all agree there's more than two types of people in the world. Uh, Classifying people uh, over the past couple of years has become a a a real hot cottage industry in America. As corporations have grown, a lot of businesses and employers have been leaning more upon uh, these things called personality profiles, inventories, things that are supposed to help you understand. Your own personality, who you are and why you do the things that you do, why you act stressed under certain circumstances and why you're uh, sometimes better off in different arenas. I just had a curiosity because I feel like maybe I'm the only one who's ever had to do these things. Have you ever had to fill out like for a job or for like your boss or maybe your spouse is like you're crazy, take this test. Have you ever had to, like had to fill out one of those personality profiles? You know what I'm talking about? Like DISC or Myers-Briggs or Strength Finders. Okay, so like half the room has, half the room has. That's great. I, I secretly love these things. I love them. I love going on the website and like putting in my information, choosing between options, being like, I don't know, maybe I'm more like that. I think I'm doing this wrong. I don't really know. And then getting to the end and finding out like, bam, Dan, here's what science tells you you are. And it's always frighteningly accurate, isn't it? I'm the only one that it works on, apparently. Okay. It's great. Well, uh, maybe, maybe you've had to take one of these tests, and nobody's asking, but I'll just tell you what I am. I'm an INTJ on the Myers-Briggs. I'm a DC on the DISC. My f- top five strengths are strategic, maximizer, learner, positivity, and ideation. Uh, my friend's character is Rachel, and on the Enneagram, I'm a seven-wing five, which seems awesome to me, but also impossible, which is, I think, the point. Um, that's me. That's me. What are you? Do you know what you are? No. I've taken all these profiles and Over the years, I found this frustrating reality about these personality profiles is that according to science, I am the same exact person today that I was 13 years ago when I started taking my first personality profile. And as I've gotten older and matured like a fine wine, I would have thought that I'd be mellowing out or improving or whatnot. But something that I've come to realize is a real failure in these profiles is that they're all simply descriptive. What I mean is they can only tell you how you are. They can't tell you how to become what you should be. Every one of these tests that I've taken, they all tell me, like, here's some strengths, here's some weaknesses and situations. If you don't want to tick Dan off, don't say things this way. Say things this way. If you want to help him achieve his best, do it this way. Don't do it this way. If you want him to be on a team, do it this way. Don't do it. But, but they never tell me, not just what I am or, or how I am, but what I should be. There's no hope for me just understanding that I'm these things of what God wants me to be. And it's left me really frustrated. I don't know if it's ever you take one of these and it's left you frustrated before. Because I've left these profiles and I've asked the question, God this is what I am in light of what I am. I don't really know what I should be. Isn't there a personality test? Isn't there a profile that I can go back to look at and say, God what do you want me to be? What type of people do you care about in the world? And I'm here today, I don't know if anybody's ever asked that question before, but I'm here today to tell you that there is actually a test. There is actually a way for us to understand the types of people according to God's categories that he looks upon humanity and the way that he sorts us all out. There is a test that you can take to tell you where you fit upon the personality categories in God's economy. That's really good news for us, isn't it? Don't you want to know what your God personality type is like? I know I do. And um, by, by God's grace and with the help of the Spirit this morning, maybe you'll start to see with God's eyes reflecting upon your life today. We come to the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is all about different types of living and different ways that God has created for us to understand who is maximizing the way that God has created them in his, or, in his order and who is acting against the way that God would want them to be. Not a personality profile per se, but a Proverbs profile. And the question we have today is what type of Proverbs person are you? Because we all have a type, don't we? Don't we? Don't we? Guys who traded in your 2013 truck for the exact same type of 2019 truck. Why did they call it brand loyalty? I call it having a type. (laughs) You know, you you, you have a type. You have a type. You're a Crest person or a Colgate person. You've got a type. You stop dating one type of person, and all of your friends are like, boy, do you you have a type because the next person you dated was identical to the last person, was not they? We all have a type. But the question today is, what is your proverb type? As God's word unveils to us the types that God sees across humanity, we want to know, what, what, is, what is God saying about my type? And so open up your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to be uh, in Proverbs this morning. I'm going to pull a couple Proverbs for us. I want to help actually introduce the book of Proverbs to you because I think the main emphasis of where I'm going with this message today is that, number one, I'm going to give it to you right from the top, we should know the Proverbs, and we should read them together. That's, that's exactly where I'm going. If you want to be able to navigate your way through the types that I'm going to explain to you, you've got to, one, know the Proverbs, and two, read them together. So um, keep that in the back of your mind as we're going through this today. To, to know the Proverbs, we're going to start there. Proverbs is a book in the Bible that is a collection of little sayings, wise sayings from Solomon. Solomon was the son of King David and himself ruled Israel. If you look at Proverbs 1, verse 1, it actually says, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. So far, not hard to explain the Proverbs. Agreed? Agreed? You could do this, right? Right? And Solomon, we know from scripture, he said, he prayed and asked the Lord for wisdom above all else and God made him the wisest ruler in Israel's history. He was so wise on the earth that kings and queens from faraway lands would go to Solomon's court, to his um, his portico, whatever that is, and they would sit down and Solomon would explain to them his wisdom and he would solve their problems. I think the height of wisdom is, is, is knowing, do people seek you out? To hear what you have to say. The height of leadership to know if you've become a godly leader is to know do people seek out your opinion or are you just the type of person that says here's how it is. Solomon was a person who God had given so much wisdom. He had over 3,000 proverbs that he spoke. We have just under a thousand recorded here in the book of Proverbs and not all of those are attributed to Solomon. He wrote the first couple of actually first 20 some chapters in Proverbs and the latter half. We think we know who wrote them but somewhat speculation. Proverbs is a book that is intended to help people get along with one another, uh, to, to, to have success in all of their endeavors. Proverbs is a book that is intended to help us know what to do on the street level of life. It is, the mo- you know, the modern day equivalent would be Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. This is what Proverbs is. Is Here's how a wise person gains success in life. And instead of trying to manipulate people, Proverbs gives us the wise person's guide to the successful life. And I asked you to flip to Proverbs 1. If you're there, let's read it together and you can see it on the screen. I'll, I'll read. You just follow along. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Here's the purpose to know wisdom. Everybody say to know wisdom. The purpose of Proverbs, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction and in wise dealing, that's like transactions, in righteousness, that's in holy living, justice, that's in the legal system, and equity, that's in how we treat each other. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. Here's how, what I want to do right now is just provide a basic introduction to Proverbs. Because I told you that uh, Proverbs ought to be read and we need need to know them, we need to read them together. And so my hope is that you will choose at the end of this day to go and read Proverbs. But I want to give you some framework because Proverbs is possibly the most least understood and over-applied book in the entire Bible. And so we need to know how Proverbs works so that we don't make some basic fundamental critical flaws. Uh, The first thing is that, um, found in verse six, uh, the sayings... Uh, and the words of the wise, and their riddles. Riddles. Anybody love a good riddle? I feel like this is a lost art, the the art of a riddle. What is a riddle? A riddle is a puzzle. It's a puzzle. And this is what Proverbs are. Proverbs are puzzles. If if you're someone who loves to jigsaw puzzle, I'm not looking at my wife, who after I got home last night, I found her deep, lost in thought, scattered over a 500-piece puzzle, lost in her own world. I don't understand people who puzzle. (laughs) I look at the puzzle pieces scattered everywhere, my stomach hurts. I start to get dizzy and I feel like I need to call a doctor. Some of you are like, look at this, I'm gonna solve it. Some of you love puzzles, and so Proverbs is like the spiritual puzzle. It, it, to, to, to look at a proverb and to understand its relationship to the other Proverbs and to understand its, its part in the whole. And Proverbs is a, a puzzle. Uh, Pastor Tim Keller, uh, I read an article that he wrote on the Proverbs, and he, he made this analogy I thought was worth, worth repeating. He said that someone had once said that to know one language is actually to know no languages. Now, that seems offensive because all of us usually just know English and like two years of Spanish in high school. But the more you know another language, isn't it true? The more you know another language, the more you understand your own language. The same thing is true with Proverbs. Tim Keller said, to know one proverb is to know no Proverbs. So if all you know is trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on on your own understanding and always acknowledge him and he will make your path straight, you actually don't know that proverb. And so Proverbs are a puzzle. You've got to understand that all of them work together to form a whole. It is all to be connected. And we say that with a caveat saying each and every proverb by its definition stands on its own as a segment of wisdom. It is its own independent unit. And so tucked away in each verse is a solid singular thought, but also one that needs to be measured against what's around it as well. And this helps us because sometimes the Proverbs can be infuriating, giving contradictory advice one verse right after the next. But if you understand that it's a puzzle, it helps us understand how it works. The second thing is that Proverbs' main concern in real life is, the, is relating the natural order, the things that we see around us, the things that are in a nature, to our social concerns. The way that you live your family, Proverbs tries to explain it to you using natural things. The way that you work at your job, Proverbs tries to tr- explain it to you using natural things. The, the greatest example of this is found in Proverbs 6.6, 6, where uh, the, the, the writer says to the sluggard, that's someone who's lazy, says, consider the ant, O sluggard." Isn't this a great verse? Consider the ant. Have you considered the ant lately? No, I've stepped on ants. I don't consider them. But consider the ant, O sluggard. And learn from its ways and be wise. That's Proverbs 6, six. At first, when I read that, I go, consider the ant. That's crazy. But, but what the, the author's doing is taking a natural order. Ants. You remember that movie, Ants? It really explained this to us. Ants are industrious creatures. They have no time for their own social calendar. They follow an order. They, 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 they work really hard. They store up their food so that when winter comes, they have something to eat. I have no idea how ants survived the Arctic blast, but they did. Ants are industrious. And the, and the point is, like the ant is industrious, us people ought to learn from something so small as an ant. That's how Proverbs works. It takes the natural and relates it to the social order. Finally, Proverbs works in a way that's very important for us to talk about because Proverbs are not promises. They are principles. And this is so Helpful for us to understand, lest you feel crippled by guilt by your own misunderstanding and overextending of what a proverb is actually intended to do. Proverbs are not by themselves promises that you can go hold God's feet to the fire on. Proverbs are principles for the way that God intends the world that you live in and the life that you're leading to work out. The classic example of this is uh, what, a verse that I quoted last week from Proverbs Uh, 22 verse 6 which says train up a child in the way that he should go and when he is old he will not depart from it and friends you need to know this that is an essential truth but that is not a promise to you as a parent that if you discipline and train and do all the things how many know that you've watched kids in amazing families wander from the path that they were supposed to go on even though they were taught better do you know that person i know that person You know who else knows that person? I don't know if he knows him or not, but Solomon knows that person. His father, David, showed him how to live his life. Solomon, we know his story. Maybe you know his story. He was the wisest person with the most foolish ending to his life. And his own son, Rehoboam, followed him and led the country into folly. So we got to remember that Proverbs are not promises. They are principles. They are general observations and essential truths. There are some Proverbs that have other promises attached to them outside of the book of Proverbs in Scripture, and you can hold on to those promises. But we can't come to these and say, God, this is always true. Make this always true in my life. So if we see that there's something in Proverbs to be pieced together and considered, if we see that the natural order is used to give shape to the social order, if we see that these aren't just um, uh, just, just generalities, but they're they are, they are principles that promise us a good result, we will, I said that backwards, they're, they're, not, they're not guarantees, but they're good guides. That's what I want to say. We will be able to make sense of these Proverbs and Let them do what they're intended to do, which is help us succeed in this life. Because here, at the end of my introduction here, thanks for sticking with me, at the the end of all of this is to say, what do the Proverbs do in our lives? Here's what they do. They are intended to help you save money. Amen? They are intended to help you keep your sanity. Amen? They are intended to help you Avoid big mistakes. They're even intended to help you see down the road of life and look into the future so that you can be prepared and wise for what's ahead. Proverbs is intended to help us make little decisions that won't become big regrets. That's what Proverbs is for. No matter who you are, no matter what you think about the story of Noah's ark or the creation of the world, Whether you believe in Jesus or not, if you lived your life upon the principles found in the Proverbs, it will be a good life for you. So Proverbs really lays out a framework for where there are actually not two types of people, not nine types of people, but four types of people in God's view. I really only have time to talk about three of them today. I think those are the three most relatable. I'll say a little bit about the fourth one. But I want us to to really zoom in so that we might see and ask ourselves, what type of person am I? First is this. This is the type of person that we all want to aspire to. This is the type of person that Proverbs lays out for us, a a goal, something that we want to uh, ascribe to or aspire to. And it's simply this. If you've read Proverbs at all, this is not new to you. It is the wise person. This is the wise person. Everybody say the wise person. Proverbs sets out for the high view in our mind, in our society, that we might be wise people. Not right people, not perfect people, but wise people. Wise people do something. And I want you to see this. Look at verse uh, 7 in chapter 1. Verse seven in chapter one is, is closely tied to uh, Proverbs nine verse ten. It says this. Would you read this aloud with me? Proverbs one seven: The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let's read verse uh, ten of chapter nine. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools. Dis- I'm sorry. I'm reading backwards on that screen. It's backwards. It's backwards. I'm sorry. I don't know why we do that. It's backwards. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Wise people begin knowledge with a theological understanding. That's what this is saying. The core of all of our knowledge and thinking to be a wise person is really a a byproduct of how theological you are. Theological. That really just means how much do you know God and his word? How much do you know the characteristics of who God is? Have you theology, theos, God, ology, study of? How much have you studied God? Because the fear of the Lord, when you dig into his character, it shows you how different you are from him. And a wise person is going to observe those differences, see something in it, and go, wow, there's something greater than even the hopes and dreams that I have in my heart. The the, the more you push into God, the wiser you become. Because if you fear the Lord, that's the beginning of knowledge. That's the beginning of wisdom. We see that so, so clearly. If you look at these words here, knowledge instruction, wisdom, insight. These are all interchangeable cousins. Hebrew poetry works in such a way where there are sometimes dualisms or contrasts and similar words are used in place of the other for the sake of making the point. And here's the characteristic of a wise person. A wise person is able to look at God and take God's wisdom, to take God at his word and to internalize it, to to, to understand it and um, and to put it if you're taking notes, put this down right next to a wise person in your notes. The wise person puts their knowledge to work. They do what they know. The wise person is one who hears God's word, internalizes it in their, internalizes it in their own hearts, and say, this is the way I got to go. I don't know how this is going to end up except to know that God says it's going to well, end up well. The wise person is the opposite of what James tells us in James one twenty two, when he says, do not be hearers of the word only, and then do you remember what he says? If you're a church person, you know this, and so deceive yourself, but do what it says. Because wise people don't just let it go in one ear and out the other. That goes into one ear and gets out to their hands. Wise people's course of action is changed by what they hear and understand and what they know. They have an evaluated experience in life that is tested against God's word and God's promises and have found his way to be the truly sure way. The wise person listens to God and obeys. That's what Proverbs tells us is obedience, or is wisdom. It's wisdom. True learning is proven in action. I mean, I, I see this with my kids so often, right? Um, I told you they're in t-ball season right now. Season's a joke. It's like practice. Um, but the first time up to bat, my son, he never played a game before, he stood right on home plate with his bat, looked at the pitcher and said, I'm ready. And um, you know someone is actually hearing you when you tell them something, and the next time they go do it, it changes, right? Right? It is, it, is, it is more than Einstein saying, you know, uh, insanity is doing the same thing over and over hoping for a different result, right? It's more than that. Wisdom is hearing the voice of your counselors and changing your action. That's what wisdom is. And I want to ask you, have you ever changed what you've done because of what God has said? Can you point to a moment in your life where you actually cognizantly said, God, I don't want to go down this path, but I instead want to go down your path. And I'm trusting you, God, that my heart is leading me this way, but I know that you want me to do this, so I'm going to listen and obey. Do you have a moment like that in your life? Wise people have hundreds and thousands of moments in their lives where they do that exact thing. Not just one moment, but thousands of moments where they listen And obey. Look at Proverbs 10, verse 8. The wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool, don't you love how Proverbs just puts it it out there? A babbling fool will come to ruin. Do you know any babbling fools in your life? The the fool says, yeah, the guy on the stage. That'll come later. But uh, maybe you work with a boss who's a babbling fool. Goes on and on and on and on and on about TPS reports and you got to come in on Saturday and uh, babbling, babbling, blah, blah, blah. Maybe you have a teacher who just keeps blah, 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 blah. Love how it says the babbling fool comes to ruin. But, but by contrast, the wise of heart, they are able to receive commandments. So, so you're at work and the boss gives you an order and you're in a team and you're supposed to get this thing done. And the wise person is going to say, this is what we need to do. Let's go do it. This is my order in the company. These are the orders that have been given to me. This is how I play my part in the team. If I do this, all will work well. The babbling fool is often the person who looks at the orders and looks at you and says, can you believe this? They didn't even ask me about this. If they were to ask me, I would have given 700 different ways to do this. Right, well, don't they know anything? If they just would come down here every once in a while and ask me about this, then things would go better. And I love how Proverbs doesn't leave it to, to much to understand how this ends for the babbling fool. It ends in ruin. But look at, look at the wise of heart. They receive commandments. All this to say they do what is told. They internalize, they diligently work towards doing what they have learned they need to do. I, I've only just scratched the surface of the wise person in Proverbs, but the wise person takes what they've been taught, is able to understand their current circumstances, look down the road, anticipate their future, and confidently take step after step after step. And friends, this is what God wants for you in your life. This is his best type for us. It is the wise person. And so many people have heard messages like this before, and they've been told, hey, here's what God is saying. You know, a pastor will explain a passage in the Bible, and say, thus saith the Lord, right? And you'll even hear, some of you come up to me, and you're like, man, it was like you were talking right to me. Did you read my mail this week? And so many of us hear and know. Isn't it interesting that knowing what God wants us to do has never been the problem? We we all know knowledge comes easy. But wisdom is such that when you know it, it moves you to action. Instead, the Proverbs give us another category in Scripture, another type of personality. It's the person uh, who knows. They definitely know the good that they ought to do. But you know what? When it comes down to it, when they think about their hopes and their dreams and their life and what they want to get out of this, the fool says, yeah, I know, but I don't really care. Let me ask you this. God tells you, here's what I want from you. And then in in scripture, pick your verse, pick your promise, pick your command. God says, go this way. The fool says, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you want me to go this way, God, but maybe when I'm 35. Because right now, there's a lot of stuff, God, that you don't let me do. I know I want to please you. Want to be good for me. So I know what's over there. I know where you want me. I know. I know where you're calling me to. I know you say that it's safe, but listen, listen. I don't see the safety there. That actually looks really hard. I, I want the money and I want the fame and I want the cheap thrills today. I'm going to try that. And when I have kids, and and then I'll go back to church and I'll get it your way. But let me just try this first on my own. I know what you want, but I don't care. Everybody say, that's a fool. That's a fool. The fool looks at God's word and says, I hate this. And I gave you a couple of verses on wisdom. I could give you hundreds on the fool. And I hope as you dig into Proverbs, you would actually see the categories of what the fool looks like. The, the fool is a foil to the wise, meaning whatever the wise is, the fool is the opposite. The wise is interested in learning the things of God. The fool says, no, not me. If we look back at the introduction of the Proverbs verse one, or chapter 1 verse 7, it says this. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. We are raised in a society to not despise anything except for weeds. Seriously, I go out in my yard. I work hard on it, I overload it with nitrogen and phosphorus. I, I lime it too. That's supposed to be really good for it. And you know what happens? Weeds. And I know that glyphosate or whatever it is is going to cause cancer, and, uh, allegedly. That's a risk I'm willing to take because you know what? I despise weeds. Don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Weeds are proof that we live in a fallen world. I'm just, that's just theological. But you know what? That little Petty example I just gave is how a lot of people feel about God's word. Is that like, I know it's around, I know that it's supposed to grow, I know it's supposed to be something I know about, but that's a weed. I want to stay far away from that. And the, 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 the fool says, God, I don't want you in my life. I don't need your instruction. Look at these verses. I just want to point this out from Proverbs. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Wise people can receive instructions, but fools hate it. Wise people listen to others, but fools say things like like this. This is the words of a fool. Yeah, yeah, I I know that's true for you, but this is what's true for me. The the words of a fool are, uh, they hear advice, they hear correction, they hear other uh, opinions. And they look back and they say, Well, who are you to tell me what to do? This is my life. I'll do with it what I want. A fool is wise in their own eyes. Look at Proverbs 17, verse 16. I love this one. This actually works in Hebrew and in English. Why should a a fool have money in his hand to buy wisdom when he has no sense? It is exactly what it means in Hebrew and in English. It's a perfect translation. You're trying to purchase character, but you're trying to purchase something that has no price tag on it. The only way to become wise is to go through hard things. And fools try shortcuts, trying to just buy their way towards success. Or look at Proverbs 26, verse 11, I think the grossest one. As a dog that returns to its vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. That's awesome. You should read these. You should read these and think about these and picture them and then yourself maybe throw up, I don't know. (laughs) So um, the the picture today is, wait, uh, you're dating somebody who's exactly like the person that you just dated was like and you know how that ended and yet you're going through it again? Are you a? What, you're putting what in your body? Even though the label says exactly what it's going to do to you, you're the person that goes, I know, but I don't care. A fool, time and time again, repeats cycles that they ought not repeat. That's what Proverbs tells us. And if you can identify with characteristics in your life like that, you might be a fool. Look at um, Proverbs 28, verse 26. Look at this. Whoever trusts his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Today, we simply call that following your heart, if you just stopped and thought about it for just a hot second, what it means to follow your heart, it implies that every single person on the entire planet has within them their own independent moral compass that is leading them to whatever end they think is right, regardless of what overlap or disconnection it is from everybody else. Um, there is no intellectually honest way to say that following your heart can ever be the right course of action. You might find joy in something, but to follow your heart... It literally means this whoever trusts his own mind is a fool, but he who repeats, I'm sorry, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Means this uh, the the, the fool and the deliverance is the contrast. The one who uh, walks in wisdom will be free from all the shackles that are put upon them, but someone who is following their own heart is actually enslaving themselves to their own selfish desires, and they don't realize, the fool doesn't realize that they don't have their best interest at heart pursuing their heart actually goes against the best thing that you could ever do. It's to let God, the one who created you, run your life as you walk in obedience. A a foolish person is ultimately saying this. I know what this is saying, but I don't really care. And I think the only way to know if you're actually a fool, because let me me ask you this. How many people want to be this? I want to be that, right? How many people are this? You're way more honest than the first service. Thank you. (laughs) We deceive ourselves. We're blinded. You think you're wise, but you do not see, Jesus said. And too many of us are fools and we don't even know it. We've accidentally wandered in life without any intention, just sort of drifted. And because of that, we have become fools. The only way to know that you're a fool is to know what true wisdom looks like. The only way, this is, this is crazy, the only way that a fool could ever not be a fool is to do the thing that a fool will never do, which is listen to the counsel of God. Which is why it takes so many fools' cancer before their eyes are open to what God is saying to them, or, or their ears are open to what God is saying to them. Which is why it takes a crisis in a fool's life to get their attention because no one can speak into the life of a fool. And if you're here today and you're a fool, I want to just agree with you on one thing, okay? I know that nothing that I say is going to change your mind. We can agree on that, can't we? Yeah, so you're like, yes, we do agree. Fool. Fool. We ought not be fools. Third category, third category that we find in Proverbs. So you're either the wise person, you're either the foolish person, but... Um, good news today is that there's actually an in-between point for us. There's, there's something that, you know, you may not feel completely wise, but you also may not be completely foolish, and it's very possible uh, Proverbs gives us a third category. It's, it's the category that, um, if, if you saw the middle point, it's simply this. It's the simple. We read it already, but we skated right by it in uh, the, the prologue, the introduction. Uh, uh, I think it's uh, verse 4, maybe, of, of Proverbs 1. Do we have that up there? It simply says to give prudence to the simple knowledge, there it is, knowledge and direction to the youth. This is the hope that Proverbs brings to us, is that how many among you are wise? The rhetorical answer is not many. How many among you are fools? The rhetorical answer is many. But Proverbs gives us grace and says some of you are not yet wise and not yet fools, you are simply simple. You simply don't know any better. The simple, isn't it great that Proverbs are so politically correct in what they call us? Have you ever called somebody a simple, a simpleton? You're such a, Rob, you're such a simpleton. Don't fight me, dude, all right? I know you're military. Don't fight me. Uh, you're, You're simple, simple, right? No, no, we don't like being called simple. We like to be heroic. Complex, but simple. The reason that the Proverbs call it simple is because we are not yet wise. We don't do the things that wise people do, but we're not yet fools. We don't do the things foolish people do. And and really basically it's because this you simply lack experience. What's the difference between a simple person and a wise person? A simple person has had experiences that have not been evaluated yet, that have not allowed them to synthesize what's going on in life and test things so that they can make decisions in accordance with God's word, which is wisdom, or to forget God's word and to go full bore into their foolish behavior. And so many people in our day are just simple. They don't think they don't evaluate. They just go through life and hope that it all works out in the end. You may not be a, a fool rejecting God, but you may not be wise either. And here's where there's hope in the Proverbs that simple people can change. Simple people have the ability to do what wise people can do. I heard one pastor give this example, and I want to do it again in just today. Um, last week, I quoted the great theologian, John Mayer. And this weekend, I have another great theologian for you, the estimable Taylor Swift. Somebody boo her? Get out. Just get out of it. She's not Jesus, but that's, that's blasphemy. No, no. Taylor Swift put it brilliantly. She, she wrote, you all know the song. Come on, you know the song. Don't play dumb. You know the song. Because when you're 15... And someone tells you that they love you, you're gonna what? You're gonna gonna believe it. You're gonna believe them. You're gonna believe them. Because when you're 15 and someone tells you that they love you, you're gonna believe them. You don't believe them because you're a foolish person. And you don't believe them because you're a wise person. You simply believe them because you're 15. You don't know what real love takes to cultivate. You don't know the amount of angst and hospital visits and fights and um, friction. The amount of days staying up late at night trying to match big red numbers to little black numbers and trying to figure out how this all works. You don't know what it is to pay the bills and to, to, to keep the house going. You don't know what it is to work jobs and take care of kids and make the family survive and still love your spouse. You don't know what it is to really truly love somebody. Why? Well, it's not because you're foolish. It's because you're 15. It's because you're just simple. Because you just haven't had the experience. And all of the older people in the room said, Amen. Amen. I would put them here who just amen. If you didn't amen, maybe you're here. <laughs> simple. We don't like being simple, but here's the basic reality is so many of us haven't haven't measured our lives against what God's word says for us. And in verse 22 of Uh, Proverbs chapter one, it says this. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? Now look at this. This is what the the wisdom and the the help for a simple person. If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit on you and I will make my words known to you. Simple people have the opportunity to move their life towards wise living if they listen to the voice of wisdom and do what wise people do, which is fear the Lord Fear the Lord. Here's the point. Here's the the bottom line for all of this. Is that wise people seek God's wisdom. Wise people seek God's wisdom. And I've left one on the ground. And as we run out of time here, I just want to put it up because uh, I don't think this person is actually in the building or at least in the room right now. These are the people who won't step foot in the doors of a church. They won't uh, do anything with... Things of God, they are simply the mocker. Look, look up there. This is what the, the ESV calls the scoffer. How long, oh, simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers, mockers, delight in their scoffing? The wise person is obedient, the simple person is just ignorant. The fool might be antagonistic, but the mocker is absolutely going against and fighting the things of God. And if, if you're in this side of the scale or this side of the scale, I don't know who you are, but I know one thing, is that the only way in God's economy to know what type of Proverbs person you are is to know what side of this cross you're on. I know, I did that. I went with a cross illustration. I did. Here's what I mean. Do you, do you remember that point in, in, in Corinthians? Do you remember that thing that Paul says in um, and In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, he says this, that there's this worldly wisdom, there's this godly wisdom. And the world looks at God's wisdom and calls it foolishness, but God looks at worldly wisdom and calls it foolishness. Here's what he says, For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, Sophia. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach. The world thinks well, we're, we're nuts. They think we're nuts. They go, you guys are ridiculous. How could you ever believe that? You're insane. Through the folly of what we preach. To save those. Who believe? For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both to Jews and to Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. The only way you can ever become a wise person is to go to Jesus at the cross first. We could rewrite that Proverbs 1 verse 7 and say, not the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but to say faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is the beginning of wisdom. That's the point, is that true, wise, successful, honest living in life comes first from Jesus. And then as he leads us down the paths of righteousness, that we would listen to him and obey. Reminder of the words that were said in the scriptures. If you hear today his voice, do not harden your hearts. Do not harden your hearts. So I don't know who you are. I don't know where you are. I know that in all three of these categories, we have many people in our church. And so my prayer is this, simply this. To know where you are, you've got to know the Proverbs, and you've got to read them together. And so what I want to do is starting tomorrow, starting tomorrow, I actually uh, organize this whole entire thing. All you got to do is click a button, and the rest will happen automatically. Uh, I, I want to see if we can gather our church around the reading of God's word, To my shame over the past five years, I've never done this. I've never gathered us together outside of our Sunday mornings to give us something to read on a daily basis. I would love for us over the next 31 days as a campus just to sink into the Proverbs together so that we might know what they are and that if we are fools, we might have it exposed in our heart. And if we are simple, we might have it exposed in our heart that we might become wise to gain a heart of wisdom. Amen. To, to, to be wise, you've got to know true wisdom. And so my hope is that um, you would join us. I set up a, a, a group on the Version Bible app. I've already said way too much for some of you. It's like, if you use Facebook, I want you to find our church's Facebook group, Bethel Hobert Portage. At 10 o'clock, I posted a link that you can click on. It'll help you download an app and it'll link you in with all the rest of us you can get it on an iTunes store, you can get it on the Google Play store. It's called the YouVersion Bible app. If you don't use social media, bless you, you, you are truly wise. <laughs> but you want to participate, and I hope that you participate. I hope that you can read these uh, Proverbs together. Every day, I calculate it'll take you three minutes and six seconds on average. And, and don't you want a life that is marked by saving and, and good relationships? life according to God's way. Don't you want that life enough for three minutes and six seconds a day, right? Can't you give that for a heart of wisdom? So what I love about this is you just go on the app, you click a button, it'll link you in. You say, I wanna join this reading plan with Dan Jacobson and the other 150 other people that are doing this. And it's gonna remind you every day, starting tomorrow. Starting tomorrow. So you got time today to figure it out. Starting tomorrow to just read Proverbs 1. And then the next day, you read Proverbs 2. Yes, yes, you're wise people. You're growing already. Proverbs 2. And here's what I don't want to have happen. I don't want technology to be the thing that like, keeps you back. So if you don't use social media, if you don't know what I'm talking about, but you want to participate, all you got to do, take the connection card and the seat back in front of you, give me your first name, and give me your email address, and leave it on the seat when you leave here. Because we're going to gather them up, and in about an hour and a half, I'm going to email all of you and help you link in to this, uh, this, to this group so that we could know the Proverbs and read them together, that we might fear the Lord and grow in wisdom, that our days might not be marked by foolish living or simple living, but something incredibly better, God's best plan for you is a wise plan.